Hey, my name's Joe Valenti. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve with our missions department and, when, and then with our students, 6th through 12th grade. And uh, we are in a series called Parenting 216. And 216, as you may know, is kind of the, the, the number, the area code for our area. That's how Cleveland is known. But it's also the number of months that you have with your child from birth to age 18. And so the aim of this series is to help us uh, focus on those 216 months and ensure that we have a plan uh, for how to disciple our kids. Now, I want to do a real quick survey. How many of you do not have kids? Okay, so there's a, there's a good bunch, okay? How many of you uh, have kids living in your home? Okay, how many of you have kids, but they're grown and are out of the home now? Okay, so here's the issue, right? Like, how do we apply that to everybody? Well, I just want to kind of give a disclaimer and some ground rules for us moving forward. This sermon this morning is not only about parenting your children that are in your home. It's not only about parenting, period. What this sermon is actually about is about how our lives display and reflect our values, and the love of Jesus to those who are around us. So what I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be talking directly to parents, specifically parents who have children in their home, and how they live and interact in such a way that their kids would know Jesus. But if you have a kid who's older and doesn't know Jesus, if you have somebody that you go to the gym with or that you work with that you want to know Jesus, if you're single and you don't have any kids and you have just friends that you want to know Jesus, this applies to you. You're just going to have to do some work because I'm not going to go through all of that at every point that I make. Make sense? I'm going to talk directly to parents. So you're big kids and you can, you can do the work. <laughs> I have two kids, um, Grace and Logan. Grace is a sixth grader. Logan is a fifth grader. And they're super cool. Uh, they're very unique in their own ways. And I really love them a lot. Um, and, you know, if you love your kids you hurt when they hurt, right? That's part of a love relationship. Uh, you know, any, any friend or person that you care about, you genuinely will hurt when they hurt. And so I hurt when my kids hurt. And so like if Grace comes home and says, you know, Johnny was mean to me on the playground, I'm like, I will fight Johnny. <laughs> you, you tell me where he lives, Right? Or, uh, you know, like if Logan comes home and says, hey, I, um, I sat alone at lunch today. Those things hurt, right? Or if your high school student doesn't get picked for the team. Or if they don't get invited to the homecoming dance. Or they break up. Those things hurt. And we hurt with our kids. A lot of times there are hurts that are out of our control, things like learning disabilities, social deficits, depression, health issues. We hurt when our kids hurt. And we want to protect them, right? Like we would love to block all of that hurt from our kids. And so we can be tempted to convince our kids or to parent them in such a way that they are safe and financially well off and that they're good at a skill or a sport or a musical instrument. 
and that they're well-liked and accepted in their social circles. And we kind of think like, if we can parent them in this direction, they'll be okay, right? There's kind of this picture of the American dream. If we can set them off in, uh, on, on this sort of trajectory to be good at some things and respect people and do good at school and get a good job and then uh, have a nice little house in the suburbs and a family, like everything will just be kind of fine for them. We think that's a picture of safety. And so we set up rules so that they'll do what we tell them to do, right? Because we think like, hey, I, I know what's best for you, son or daughter. And so follow my rules and we'll get there. And so when they're young, we say things like pick up your toys or eat your veggies or don't crawl all over the floor at Walmart. I used to, I used to love to like, you know, the, the clothing racks that are in a circle, I used to love to get in the middle of them. Can I get an amen? That's so much fun. Right, we, like we say those types of things. Don't yell at your mom, right? And then when they get a little bit older into those preteen years, respect comes online, do well in school, get involved in an activity, make good friend choices. And then as they get even older into teens and young adulthood, do well in school so you can get accepted to college, don't party too much, be home before curfew, don't get speeding tickets, stay, stay sexually pure, on and on and on. And those rules are fine. There's nothing wrong with rules and expectations in our homes. However, they're not enough for your child. They're not enough for anybody in your life. See, a lot of times we'll look at, let's say you don't have kids. You'll look at the guy or the girl that you work with and you see the things that they're doing and you think, oh, if they would just stop sleeping around, if they would just stop partying so much, if they would just stop doing this or that, and it's not good enough. Being moral is not good enough for anyone. If you have older kids, and maybe you just keep preaching to them, if you would just do these things, stop being a bonehead. But them not being a bonehead, them being moral, them being good is not enough. For them. And so we're going to look this morning at God's word because rules and regulations, while helpful, are insufficient to actually change the heart. If you would, turn with me to Galatians 5. That's where we will be. And we just finished going through the whole book of Galatians in a really in-depth manner. And so I want to kind of give a, I guess, a, just to let you know how I'm going to handle this text. Pastor Josh really dug deep into Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And so I'm not going to repeat his sermon. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this text, and instead of going through it verse by verse like I normally do, I'm going to take it, and we're going to look at it and see what it says, and I'm going to spend the majority of my time applying it to the parenting environment. If you really want the theology, go back and listen to Pastor Josh's sermon. It's really good, okay? So Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, 
for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty sobering statement, right? If you do these things, you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, for the sake of time, instead of defining each of these words, some of them we understand, some of them we don't use very often, there's an insert in your bulletin that's blue and it's folded and it looks like that. So take it out because we're gonna use it throughout the morning. And in one of the quadrants, you will see the works of the flesh defined. That way you can kind of see what we're talking about here. And when you look at those things, I look at that list and I go, yeah, I do a good bit of those things. I haven't practiced magic lately, but other than that, you know, that was a pretty common thing in the first century, so that's why it's there. But it's scary to think those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We look at these things and we look at ourselves and then we look at our children. I look at my children and I start checking off things. Enmity, being hostile towards, yep, check. Idolatry, worshiping something other than God, check. Jealousy, oh, check. Fits of anger, check, 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 checky. <laughs> right, rivalries, dissensions, lacking in harmony between people. Ever have that in your home? Check. You know, I look at that and I go, well, if this is true of me or this is true of my kids and they will not inherit the kingdom of God, we've got to fix things, right? And so our gut is rules, 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 right? If you're going to yell at your brother, uh, then you have to, you know, then you lose these things. And if you act this way towards your mom, then you have to go to a timeout. Fits of anger, strife, these are common for young things, or, or for young children. Tweens, jealousy, rivalries, envy, idolatry. And they compound, right? They get worse as they get older, like sexual sin comes into the mix somewhere. And, and the partying and the drunkenness and things like that come into the mix somewhere. And it's like, goodness gracious, by the time they're 18, these 216 months, there's so much that my kids are having to battle. And this text talks about this battle. The flesh is against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. They're at war with one another. And we will generally respond with rules. You have to take a time out for punching your brother or pulling his hair. You are grounded until your grades get better. You may not have your friend over because of your sassy mouth. You lose your phone or your car or whatever because Mrs. Johnson called me and she told me that you were at that party, right? This, we, we do rules and rules are good. I'm not dogging rules. 
Rules are good in your home, but they're not enough to change your son or daughter's heart. Only the gospel message, salvation by grace through faith can transform the heart. You might be thinking, hey, I'm way ahead of you, pastor, because the rules are at an all-time low in my house. I'm just waiting for the gospel to kick in and fix things right up, right? (laughs) But I'll tell you, the rules have a purpose. The rules and the guidelines show us our need for Jesus. See, our inability to follow the law shows us that we need something outside of ourselves to fix our sin problem. And so the rules are good, they're just not enough. The best thing for your son or daughter is for them to put their faith in Jesus because Jesus is enough to save them. And the Holy Spirit is enough to make them more like Jesus. Two big words, justification and sanctification. To be justified means to be made right before God, for your sins to be forgiven. Sanctification means to be made more like Jesus, to, be, to grow in holiness. If your son or daughter would put their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be justified and the Holy Spirit will indwell them and will sanctify them. Jesus is enough for your child. It is the best thing that they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. But my bet would be, you would agree with that. You'd say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joe. I'm in, sign me up. I mean, you're here. You're not picnicking, right? You're here, you're at church. You're like, yes, Jesus, I'm thumbs up in my family. But I'll tell you what, I've been here as a youth pastor for 14 years or so. And I'm looking around and all the youth leaders are smiling at me because they know what I'm going to say. Very rarely among church people is the issue that we don't believe that. The issue is, does it work itself out in our families? We can say all day long, Jesus is most important for me and for my children. But if it doesn't work itself out in your priorities and in your actions and in the way that you live life, it doesn't matter. So I've put together three questions that will help us hopefully have some meaningful conversation, not you and I, but I'm hoping you would do this with your family, with your friends, with whoever, to see if you say, if you would raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor Joe, I believe that Jesus is the best thing for my son or daughter. Or if you would say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the best thing for my, for my grown son or daughter. Or Jesus is the best thing for my coworker. Or Jesus is the best thing for my college friend. If you would say that, does your life and the way that you act and live truly reflect that value system? These questions will help us tease out the answer. Question number one. Do you model a life led by the Spirit? See, this is 
basically what Pastor Chad asked us last week. Do you model a life led by the Spirit? Because let me tell you something. If you're dragging your kids to church and telling them about what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to live, and you don't model that life, your life looks nothing like Jesus. Your kids are just gonna think you're a fake. You're a phony. Don't feed me that when you're not willing to do it yourself. Let's, let's start with the basics. Mom, dad, friend, spouse, do you spend regular time in God's word and prayer? Do you spend regular time in God's word and prayer? I remember my mom's here. And every day I'd wake up for school. And even when I was a high schooler, she had this like jar with Bible verses. And she would go, pick a verse out, Joey. Like even when I was a, like I, was, I was a football player, I'm a big guy. And he would be like, pick a verse out, Joey. And she kind of would jest, but it was her way to get scripture into me first thing in the morning. And I'd come out, I'd come out of my room and I'd come down the hallway and our kitchen table was there and so was mom's Bible. Every day. And whatever was left of her cup of coffee. And I'd look in this way and dad would usually sit on the couch and there was his Bible and he would set it on the floor when he was done. And they never usually didn't say anything. They had been with Jesus before I woke up. And you know what that spoke to me? They're practicing what they're preaching. They're not just trying to push something on me and my brother. I wonder what your time with Jesus looks like. Do your kids know about it? You ever share with them what you've learned? It doesn't have to be morning. Maybe it's night. Maybe you work swing shift and you're all like, but do your kids know that you're spending time with Jesus? Do you tell them that you've prayed for them that day? Are you on mission? Is your life a life that spends itself on other people? Do you help people in need? Are you plugged into some sort of local serve opportunity? Do you go overseas? Like I tell my kids, every two years, I go to Pearl Island and you're gonna be without dad for about 14 days. And I go there and I do it because people need to know that Jesus saves. And so they know that. I've taught them since they could understand words. Hey, that's what we're about. My wife, she's done little things. Like, you know, people are, will stand on the side of the road and they have a sign and it has their story about why they need money. And I'm skeptical. You know, I'm, a, I'm like a skeptical guy. And I'm more likely to say like, hey, let's go get lunch and let's talk about your life. Like, what's going on? Very rarely will I just hand out money. Linda, every single time she sees somebody, she just hand, puts money out the window. But here's why. If you'd ask her why, she would say, I want to teach my kids that it's not our job to judge, but that we have no idea what this person's situation is, and Jesus has called us to be generous. Preach, wife. <laughs> Are you modeling a life led by the Spirit? Do the things of Jesus come out of your life so that your kids see you, or do they see the works of the flesh? They see dad always angry. Is there always dissension, envy, anger, jealousy? Well, they have this and they have that. Or, or is there gossip going on in your home all the time? What's the environment? 
Do they see life in the spirit or do they see works of the flesh in you? Because I'll tell you what, if your life is defined by works of the flesh, your kids aren't going to buy what you're selling them when you tell them about Jesus. Do you model a life led by the spirit? Number two, are you in the habit of affirming that which is most important? And here's what I mean by that. It's really easy to affirm some things that are external, like grades. Like it's, they send you literally a piece of paper that shows you how your kid did in school. And you can look at it and you can say, hey, three A's, a B and a C. Yeah, you go you, right? Or you can watch your son roll out of the pocket and throw a pass out to a guy. Hey, good pass, son. Awesome. You can watch your daughter play the violin concerto in B flat. I don't even know if that's a thing. <laughs> but you can watch it, and you can go, man, great violin playing, or art, or whatever it happens to be, and affirm those things. Give them thumbs up. Give them pats on the back. But we can... Affirm those things to the point because they're so easy that they become what's most important. As opposed to, if you have a little one, hey, I saw you share your toys with our friends that were here. You know what? Jesus tells us that to be a part of his family, sharing is really important. When you share you're a lot like Jesus. You know, do you see what I'm saying? How much more important that is for the heart and the development of a youngster? Or, hey, your brother told me that you were really nice to the new girl in school and that you sat by her at lunch when nobody else would. You know, Jesus sat by people that nobody else would sit by. When you do that, you're a lot like him. Why the tears, right? Because my daughter's that way. There's not a whole lot of things. Like she has, she has a hard time at school. She just quit cross country because she's like, I'm not running this race anymore. But I'll tell you what, there's a compassion in her that is beautiful. And I honestly believe it's way more important than cross country. Or if she gets a D in her class. Or maybe, hey, dude, I know you lost the game, man. The pass was actually there, and it just went through his hands. But I'll tell you what, you know, tough loss. But I'll tell you what, the way that you handled yourself, the way that you encouraged your teammates, the way that you were a good sport, the way that you were humble towards the other team, I'll take that over a win any day because that's what Jesus is like. Or maybe you say, hey, you know you shouldn't have been at that party in the first place, but it took a lot of guts for you to leave. It took a lot of guts for you to say, hey, I know this is wrong and walk away from it. So while I probably should punish you because you were there, I'm gonna extend grace to you because you made the right choice. I once had a mom call me and she was so broken up 
because her, uh, her daughter didn't, in, didn't get invited to the homecoming dance. And for you moms out there, like, you get that probably a little bit more than the dads do. Dads are like, great. <laughs> Some boy's not taking my daughter out, thumbs up, right? But moms, moms understand that a little bit more, right? There's something, there's something too, getting invited to the dance and getting dressed up and a boy coming to pick you up. And she didn't get invited to the dance. And the mom was hurt because when our kids hurt, we hurt, right? And I talked to her for a bit and I said, look, I know that you're hurt and that your daughter is hurt. But let me, let me just, let me give you some perspective. Step, step back a little bit, mom. Your daughter's been in our youth group for many years and I know her very well. And she is a godly young woman. She loves Jesus with all of her heart. And she's discipling and caring for those that are younger than her. And she's wise. And she's sexually pure. So, mom, cry with her. That's okay. But please make sure that she knows that everything else about who she is in Christ is way more important than the homecoming. That's what I'm talking about when I say, do we affirm the things that are most important? See, we can affirm things, but we can also, we can really tear our kids down if we're not intentional. It's, it's I'll tell you what, it's so easy to see the things your kids do wrong. It's really, really easy And we can spend our days just on them about they didn't do this or they forgot to do that or they didn't pick this up or they acted that way or the sass or the attitude or the homework or the whatever. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't correct your children, but what I'm saying is they need to hear out of your mouth that they are valued and that Jesus loves them and that how they function in the flesh is not all that defines who they are. They need for you to see, to discern, what is it that the Spirit might be doing in my son or daughter, and to affirm those things in them. If your kid is smart or fast or musically talented or is good at building things or drawing stuff, that is awesome. But being a godly young man or woman is more important the work of the Spirit in their life is more important. Finally, does spiritual growth, here's our third question, does spiritual growth take priority in your family? And there are a couple ways that this can happen. I'm just gonna name a few. The first way is money. And that may sound weird, but I'll tell you what, we spend a lot of money on our kids. Can I get an amen? right? I just looked, I asked one of the teachers at the high school, hey, can you send me the pay to play fee schedule? Like if you don't, this was not a thing when I was growing up, but it's a thing now. So for you old timers, you have to pay to play a sport now or to be in choir or to be in band. Back when I was, you just like, you were just in it. Like I just play football. Now it's like 500 bucks to play football. And so because levies aren't passing and all sorts of stuff, like you have to pay. And it costs money. And then you have to buy the shoes and the uniform and, you know, the girl sparkly glitter stuff or everything, you know. You have to do that. You spend all this money. And that's not bad. It's not wrong. 
Hey, if they want to do an activity, it's okay. Spend the money on them. My question is, and again, it takes more intentionality. If, you, if, the, if the school doesn't get your fee, uh, Mr. Johnson, we're going to need you to, you know, right? But if you don't spend money on your kid's spiritual growth, people probably aren't going to call you out on it, at least not as readily. So here are just a couple things you might spend money on. Like, does your son or daughter have a Bible that they can understand? for their age level. Like, are you like to your eight-year-old, here's grandpa's King James, deal with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Like, I talk to kids, I can't really understand my Bible. Let me see your Bible. Where did this come from? <laughs> I think it's Uncle Herb's. <laughs> but like a good Bible, a good Bible, probably like, like a good study Bible, it's probably going to cost you about 30 bucks. Get your son or daughter a good Bible. If you look on this sheet, I got, uh, there's some growth resources. Here's some options. So there's some options for Bibles at different levels. Get them a good Bible. My parents always did this. I had like the action Bible and then I had a parallel Bible. Like my mom always would buy me Bibles and hey, it worked out. Way to go, mom. Uh, hey, maybe your kid doesn't read. Maybe your son or daughter is too young to read, or maybe they have a hard time. Like your son or daughter may have, a, have, have like a learning disability where reading is exhausting for them. So you don't want to be like, hey, just read this Bible. It's going to be good for you. And that, like they just lose their appetite. There are lots of audio resources or video resources that you can use to teach them about Jesus. We have a tool at our church called Right Now Media, and it's free to you. If you come to CVC, it's free to you. Just go to cvconline.org slash, I think it's just right now. Um, if you just click on that, there's, it's like Netflix for Christian programming, all kinds of great stuff for your kids. There are really good audio stories and resources. There's the Jonathan Park series, Red Rock Mysteries, Adventures in Odyssey, Down Gilead Lane. Again, all of them on here. The Keys for Kids app is very theologically sound, and it's a great like five-minute devotional every day. I do it with Logan when we're on the way to school. When Grace was going to school with us, I did it with both of them. It's a great, great app. So if they don't read yet, it's okay. No excuse. You can get them some stuff. But once they do start to read, get them a Bible, get them a journal, get them a devotional, get them, th like, what, get them stuff. Hey, son, I want you to read your Bible. Hey, daughter, I want you to read your Bible. I want you to know Jesus. And there you are with like your fancy Bible with the cover and the zipper, right? Like, get them something so they can know Jesus and grow in their walk with him. I would challenge you to spend money on, on the church events that we do, whether it be children or youth. I want to thank those of you who give to the student scholarship fund. If you, if you give to that and you're giving, you're providing an opportunity for kids who might not otherwise be able to afford to get to camps and retreats and events, the opportunity to be there. We gave away almost $20,000 last year in scholarship because of your generosity. And here's the proof in the pudding. Between Denise and Raquel and the children's ministry and youth ministry, there were over 30 kids that got baptized at Wallace Lake last, last month. So it's worth, it's worth the investment, church, when you guys give to that scholarship fund. So thank you for doing that. You save for college, right? Save for a missions trip. I had a mom who did this. She just put a little bit of money away, five bucks, 10 bucks away for, through her daughter's 
whole young life into high school. And so she went to Indonesia last year and it was paid for. Like it's ready, we're done. If you save for college, save for a missions trip. Send them to Christian concerts. If they want to go see something and it's loud and bangy, that's what my mom used to say. It's so loud and bangy. But you know what? If they're talking about Jesus, let them go. What about, in addition to your money, what about your calendaring? I've gotten up on this soapbox before, and I don't want to go crazy on it. So um, I'm not going to. But I just I want to challenge you, moms and dads, to take back ownership of your family calendar. It's your family, and God has given you responsibility for it. And so when outside influences begin to tell you what you have to do and where you have to be, you might need to reassess. I'm not saying that sports or dance or choir are bad. What I'm saying is they need to have their rightful place in the priority system. I read a blog this week that I really appreciated the way that the guy phrased it. He said, does your child's activity function as a competing religion? Interesting, right? He goes on to say, when a coach or a director punishes students for missing a practice or a game because of a, of a religious or family commitment, they're acting like jealous gods, communicating that their activity is worthy of exclusive loyalty. Now, I'm not saying, hey, there's a, there's a tournament this weekend. We're gonna miss church. I'm not saying that you just draw a line in the sand, right? It's not, we're not talking about law. Not like, well, we don't do it. Hey, go to the tournament. Hope they win. But, Let's say you start an activity, whether it be at school or with a travel team or somebody else, some other organization, and they say, practice or a game or a performance will be on Sunday afternoons, consistently. You've got to make a decision, a hard decision, because not only ought Sunday be reserved for church, it also ought to be reserved for rest, and restoration, and your family to reconnect. And so don't go home and say, well, Pastor Joe said we have got to stop doing hockey. What I'm saying is, this is an opportunity for your family to have a meaningful conversation about whether your values work themselves out in your calendar. You might have to have a conversation with coach or choir director and say, hey, coach, Hey, choir director. Hey, dance captain lady. Bobby or Susie, they love playing this game, doing that sport, playing the piano. And I'll tell you what, I'll have them here on time and they're gonna practice and they're gonna do their best as unto the Lord. But there are gonna be some times when they won't be able to make it if it interferes with the spiritual growth of my son or daughter or with something that's really close to our family. Sundays are probably gonna be one of those days. And so I need you to know that that decision's coming from me. And if those opportunities arise, I need you to understand and we'll have meaningful conversation about it. And you might say, well, if they don't go to the thing, they might not play or they might not start or they might not get first chair. My challenge to you would be, you've gotta make that decision, but 
it might be good or important to help your son or daughter begin to learn that following Jesus sometimes takes sacrifice. I love my kids. And I love your kids. One of my jobs here is to love your kids. That's a great job. And to teach them about Jesus. And so I want the best for them. My hope is that you would take these questions, wherever you are in life, whoever you want to know Jesus, whether it's kids or a friend or another family member, that you would ask yourself these questions and see if you're modeling the life that they might want to follow. Do they see Jesus in your life? Do they see Jesus in your priorities? Or do they see the works of the flesh? I'm gonna ask you to make a commitment that you will take these questions and with whoever it is, family members, spouse, kids, friend, talk about these things this week. I'll push it, I'll push it up one notch. Do it before Labor Day's over. Because by the time you go back to work on Tuesday, you'll forget to do it. Here's another fun activity. If you look over here, that has a little scissors. I did this this week with my kids. We just cut this out and I said, hey, put these in the order of what you think is most important to dad. And they moved them around. I was pretty satisfied with the answers. Logan, he, he moved video games up to right below quality time with family. And it was like, it was like, it's not above it, but it's like real, real close. He loves video games. But would you do that? You know, just it's a fun way to see what your kids really are seeing in your life. We want our kids to be safe. But friends, safety is a myth. I'm not saying that we should be foolishly reckless with our children. But I'm saying you might want to loosen your grip a little bit. Because they might get sick. Or they might not get into that college. Or their spouse might leave them. They might end up with a mountain of school debt. They might go down a dark path for a bit like I did. They might even die before you do. So don't be focused mainly on making sure that your kids avoid suffering and pain. Be focused on teaching them that Jesus is enough for them. No matter what they're going through. That if they have Jesus plus nothing they have everything. We want our kids to be financially well off. But Jesus reminds us in Matthew 19 that it's really hard for rich people to get into heaven. My dad took his first ministry job for $400 a month. And he and my mom live in a little house in Akron. And neither of them have a bachelor's degree. And they're some of the most God-honoring, generous, faithful people that I know. They're not going to leave me a stack of cash when they pass away. But they will leave me and my children a legacy of trusting Jesus above everything else. So don't be mainly focused on making sure your kids go to college and get a good job. 
Help them to see that if they have Jesus, they have a rich inheritance. We want our kids to be the best at their activity. But we have a tendency to make idols of those things. And the works of the flesh come out when we want to be the best. So don't be focused mainly on making sure that your kids are the best and the brightest. Help them to see that no matter what they do, no matter what they're good at, sport, activity, those are opportunities for them to show the love of Jesus to their teammates and teachers and friends. We want our kids to be popular and accepted, to get invited to the dance. But often that battle to be accepted and to be popular leads to works of the flesh, dissensions, rivalry, jealousy. So don't be focused mainly on making sure that they're popular and liked. Remind them that they are loved and valued by a heavenly father. He made them in his image, unique and special, and affirm all that he's doing in their heart. Remind them that you love them the way that God made them, and that God loves them the way that he made them, but that neither of you are okay with them just stopping there. Because without a life given to Jesus Christ, without a faith exercised in Jesus Christ, they will not be able to defeat the works of the flesh. Remind them that you have a bigger vision for their life, you, that you, parent, have an eternal perspective, and that while you would love to take away all the pain and the guilt, that you would guard them from every rejection and break up in harsh word, you can't. That while you want to save them from all the mess of the world around them, you can't do it. But Jesus is enough to save them and the Holy Spirit is enough to make them more like Jesus. We need the law, rules, guidelines, but it's not enough. We need the gospel and our kids need the gospel. And parents are good but they're not enough. Our kids need the Holy Spirit. Paul's solution for your children's lives. I say, Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. John says it perhaps a little bit more fully in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Parents, family members, oh, that we would be people who would believe that the best thing for our children, for our friends, for our coworkers is Jesus. Let us not be just about mere morality, but about Holy Spirit-enabled life 
transformation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and for this text that gives us such a clear picture of how important parenting is and how important rules are, but how insufficient those vehicles are as well. And so would you increase our faith this morning? Would you increase our faith to win, that you are able to win our children to you? Help us to model a life that our children would want to follow. I pray, Lord, for those prodigals, those older kids that are maybe have been out of the house for decades. I pray, Lord, that you would reignite the passion in the families and the mothers and fathers here to pray for their children, that they would come to the end of their rope and give their lives to you because you are enough for them. Would CVC's next generation love you with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength and help us in this little role that we have to do all that we can to help them know that you are enough. In Christ's name we pray, amen.